People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio. Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. I wonder if you know the Adern Gardens here in Cape Town along Main Road in Kenilworth, with its shady glades, romantic nooks, and Japanese-style ponds. It has for generations been a place for Cape Townians to bring their children, take much-cherished wedding photographs, and relax away from the increasing hubbub of city life. And the garden, thanks to the extraordinary interest and commitment of its founders, also has one of the most diverse and valuable collections of exotic trees in all of South Africa. It now, officially, includes one of the largest trees in South Africa, the vast Morton Bay fig, sometimes known as the wedding tree, and quite possibly the largest Aleppo pine in the world. And these trees, along with four others, were proudly designated champion trees in 2008. Someone who was very involved with the upkeep and vision of the Adern Gardens was Hank Lith, who is going to be a guest on People of Note, and he died on the 1st of January this year, very sadly, after really um, doing so much. So this is going to be a sort of dual People of Note, because with me in the studio is Claire Gibbon, who's a founding member of the Adern Gardens, and we're going to talk about Hank, as well as you, Claire, and find out all about these remarkable gardens. So welcome to People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure and privilege to be here. Well, there you go. When did you get involved with the Adern? Let's just cover a bit of you, first of all. I got involved right from the very beginning in 2003. Um, Why was that the beginning? Because um, Friends of the Adern Gardens didn't exist at that point, and it it came from the um, inspiration of Anne Bean in um, Cape Horticultural Society. And it was our uh, centenary, and we needed to, to celebrate. And so... Actually, Adam Harrower suggested that a good thing would be to label the trees in Ardern Gardens. And in the process of sort of doing that project, uh, the Horticultural Society realized the Ardern Gardens needed a great deal more than just labeling of trees. And Had it gone a bit too... Oh, it uh, was very, very un, um, uncared for and actually quite dangerous. It had a very bad reputation because it was full of undergrowth and sort of secret little nooks and crannies which were not necessarily very safe. Mm-hmm. And so many people avoided it. So the sort of driving force was to try and overcome this. And um, we got together with um, Richard Jemison and Adam and Anne Bean and uh, Michael Tuffin, who was also involved in the CHS, and we plotted a friends group. And that was launched in 2014. And Hank joined very soon after that. Okay. So your history with the garden goes back even further than Hank. Yes. <laughs> well, sorry, I just realized I made a mistake. We started the Friends in 2004, not 2014. Right. And okay. Hank joined in, t- in 2014, okay. so 10 years later. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And also, while we're just talking about the background, just tell me a little bit about the background of the Ardern Gardens, with this chap called R.H. Ardern, who started to collect plants from around the world? Yes. Ralph Henry Ardern came to the Cape in uh, the 1930s. He had left behind a very sad 
um, life in England. His wife and firstborn child both died in childbirth and um, he had very little money and he came on a boat and he was on, on his way to Australia and he stopped off in the Cape and liked it so much that he stayed and he was very energized and and um, quite an entrepreneur as it turned out and um, he had skills with the timber business oh, yes, so yes. he realized that he was at a crossroads with these all these these ships passing through and that um, wood was ne you needed to import the wood because so much had been cut out by the previous administrations in the Cape so he started a wood importing or importing business and really did very well and um, he also hankered after his home place and he loved the trees in England and um, so he wanted a garden and in 1835 he acquired five and a half hectares I think it was of um, from Stellenberg and in, in Claremont and began to establish this wonderful garden that we see the r remains of today and he and his son Ralph Henry died in uh, before the First World War, I think, and then his son died in about 10, 20 years later. But the two of them created this absolutely magnificent garden. They collected trees from all around the world. They um, established a you know an international reputation for their knowledge and for their expertise in in looking after and these trees. And Ardern um, became what it is today. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is a possibly silly question. He didn't grow trees in a Dern garden to cut down for timber, did he? Um, they, <laughs> he? It was purely the beauty, and he wanted to be surrounded by trees. Absolutely. Did yes. he live on the property? Because he there's did. a beautiful house called The Hill. Well, there was. That's where he lived, yes. Okay. But that no longer exists, yes. Okay. And, um, yeah. So <laughs> it was an English thing then, wasn't it, to surround it himself with beautiful gardens and beautiful it trees? It was. It was English in the sense that he was trying to recreate the sense of a treed garden from mm. his childhood. But actually what he collected were um, trees from the Southern Hemisphere in particular. So that is what is particularly interesting about the garden now. It is a collection of trees from the old great continent of Gondwana. Oh, which yes. is particularly interesting and, and particularly different. Um, so that became the sort of uh, um, signature of the garden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, <laughs> Claire, we've, we've said we're doing a sort of dual people of note mm. in the absence of Hank Lith. And he has actually suggested the music because we were planning a people of note. And I, <laughs> stupid me, didn't actually get round to it and then he died. And among the many things he suggested was that he loves ballet, especially Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet. So let's listen to the Dance of the Knights from the Romeo and Juliet Ballet.
That's one of the most popular excerpts from the Romeo and Juliet ballet by Prokofiev, The Dance of the Knights, and it was the first choice, well, of the late Hank Lith. And we're talking about the Dern Gardens, in which Hank played a huge part. And my guest on People of Note this week is Claire, Claire Gibbon, who's a founding member in the Dern Gardens. And the, the history is interesting. And somewhere I saw the city of Cape Town purchased the land. Was that after the man had died? Yes, um, when, when uh, Henry Matthew died, he actually died in, 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 in financial straitened circumstances. And a man called Wilkes bought it, but he also didn't have enough money to really continue with it. And so fortunately, there was a man called Van Houten in the, in the city who realized that um, this was a special place and he persuaded the city to buy nearly four hectares of the old garden. And oh, so not all the garden? No, no, but most oh, no. of it. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, okay. And that's the Ardern Gardens we see today. And it was very fortunate because, well, first of all, it, for the first time, you know, it became a public park. And then he had this really wonderful horticulturalist called um, Shelton's who loved the gardens and actually lived in them. There is a house, was incorporated in the garden, but is no longer, it's on the edge now on Church Road. But he lived there and he treated the gardens really as his own. And um, he created them, you know, really wonderful place and, and you know, made it safe and so on. Mm. And um, so he died in the late 1950s, I think. And then the garden fell slightly into disrepair. I mean, it didn't have a very good time. And then the disaster struck with the Group Areas Act. Oh, goodness. Because yeah. the people who used and loved the garden most were the coloured community who lived in Upper and Lower Claremont. And when they'd gone, the gardens now weren't even inhabited, really, by anybody. And that, that, this is the time when they really became unsafe, you know, the prostitutes and the and the sort of small criminals moved in and people were afraid to go mm. um, and this is a reputation the gardens have had for a very long time and it, even now we battle with this I mean I still meet friends who say oh gosh you can't go to our dern it's not safe well really? this is not the case absolutely mm. not the case and um, we now have you know 24 hours seven day a week security and Hank's great contribution initially was to clear away undergrowth so that you can see right through from one side of the garden to the other and you don't feel that there are horrible places where people can hide and jump out at you and so on. So th that was one of the very important things that he did when he became involved with the gardens in 2014. But you said that we were lucky to get Hank because he was a trained landscaper, yes. wasn't he? That was his yes. profession. Yes, he'd been the urban landscaper for Cape Town and particularly interested in trees, as it happened. Mm -hmm. So he, for instance, planted all the trees in St. George's Mall and all the trees around St. George's Cathedral and Newlands Avenue. I mean, he really loved trees. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we couldn't have had a better person. <laughs> Would you say that the Ardern Gardens is primarily about trees? Yes. So they're not sort of flowers? Well, there are flowers. I mean, mm -hmm. there's shrubs, perhaps, would be, would be the most prevalent thing, um, particularly camellias and hydrangeas. It's, it's quite famous for those two, and both of those were established by the Ardernes, so they're traditional in the gardens. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other lovely thing in the spring is um, a marvellous bed of um, a wonderful indigenous bulb that grows along the entrance 
path as you come in and and they they are a spectacular thing which also the Ardernes um, introduced into the garden. So just going back then the Ardernes were the ones that collected all these exotic trees. They did, did yes. Hank also collect trees and plant them. Well, what um, Fotag has has done and Fotag being the friends of the Ardern Gardens right, right. is think ahead and want to replace the trees, which are now getting very elderly. So um, yes, we have been planting a lot, but they're sort of derived from the existing trees. So seed that we that we've collected and propagated, or else we're trying to replace with other you know saplings which we've 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 acquired somehow or other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's a very, bi very big, important part of our work. There was one thing you said <laughs> on on a, on the downside, is this wretched invasive beetle which is making a well, and that's apparently quite serious. It's very serious, and um, I have to say that I'm almost glad that Hank is not here anymore to see it because it's going to probably affect us. It is now all around the garden and all the streets around and um, we've been planning for this because this this beetle has been making its way down from Johannesburg for the last two years um, and it's only now just in the last two three months hit Cape Town um, and it's moving through very fast. What is it? It's called the polyphagus shot hole borer and it's a little tiny beetle um, which is the side of a sesame seed so you really don't wow, see it. So they're very very small. Very small and what happens is that they bore into the tree and what you see on the tree first is is a scatteration of tiny holes that and that's why it's called shot hole borer and it, the beetle burrows into the tree and it lines the tree with this sort of fungus and it lays lays its its eggs in the tree and they hatch out of the lava and they eat the fungus and then they fly out but the fungus basically blocks up the sort of vascular system of the tree and it dies goodness gracious mm. me. over about Nature. two years will completely die and how mm. do you how do you control it is there well <laughs> do you spray it with doom <laughs> no i'm sorry <laughs> no no i wish you could no you can't there's nothing you can treat it with that will be successful um, why why there just isn't it. Oh, well, I think I suppose what you have to say is that it, it's an invasive beetle that came from Southeast Asia. So we haven't developed any of the defensive mechanisms for, I mean, mm -hmm. the trees haven't developed the defensive mechanisms that yeah, exist yeah. in Southeast Asia. Um, and I presume that there must be some sort of predators in Southeast Asia, but we don't have them. And so it just makes hay in, 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 our, in our environment. And is there indications that it is in the Ardern Gardens yet? Not yet, touch wood, but um, we are um, we're doing everything we can to keep it out and mm -hmm. that is at the moment buying extremely expensive um, sachets of repellent which um, we have been sort of stockpiling for the last year or more okay. and um, the trees now, the important trees like the Morton Bay fig are literally draped in these things and it, it, it sort of repels the, the beetle and then we've also got um, traps around the perimeter of the garden to try and catch the beetle before it even enters the garden. Yeah. But you can imagine if there is a really serious invasion, this is probably not going to work. Mm. Especially if the beetle is as small as that. Exactly. So it's not as though you can 
catch the beetle itself you yeah, have to catch the, the result <laughs> exactly imagine running around with nets like yeah. chasing butterflies but um <laughs> the really sad thing is the morton bay fig is one of the trees that it's likely to go for so can you imagine having to cut that down which oh is what goodness. we'd have to do that's the one you call the wedding tree yes is that yes. because it's the one where people take pictures yes Yes, every oh. Saturday incident, there are most magnificent wedding processions. Yes, I've and seen. That's mm. very impressive. Mm. We're going to have Lovely. another piece of music now, yeah. and chosen by the late Hank Lith, who was meant to be doing this interview, who wasn't he, Claire? And we've discovered that Hank was a great lover of ballet, so here is one of his favorites, and that is the Adagio from Spartacus by Khachaturian.
there's some glorious romantic music. It's the Adagio Spartacus and Frigia from the ballet Spartacus by Khatraturian, a great favorite of the man we are honoring, uh, having died in January, Hank Lith, who played such a huge role in the life of the Ardern Gardens. And my guest, <laughs> taking second seat actually, Claire, is Claire Gibbon, who's a founding member of the Gardens. Now, one of the things I said right at the beginning, Claire, we spoke about shady glades and you've said how safe it is now. But one of the things that <laughs> attracted me and I want to go and see, Japanese style ponds. Yes. That sounds pleasantly exotic and picturesque. Well, they're beautiful, and it's Hank's remarkable gift to us, really, at the, at the end of his life, was his vision about the ponds. The other thing that he was very good at was raising funds, and so because of this great talent he had, he was able to gather together the resources to refurbish these existing old spring ponds which were there at the top of the garden on the right hand side when you go in above a wetland which also he worked on with help from the same person Pamela Isdal who has given us wonderful money to do these beautiful projects but the ponds are only just completed and literally they were completed before he died I mean it was the very last thing mm. and um, they are transformative to the garden, and really, they are—they are like Monet's ponds in Giverny. <laughs> really? Yes, yeah. uh, they are full of water lilies and bridges, and we've—and we've got a lovely fence now all around, and it looks spectacular. So, if anybody wants to see something really beautiful, I can't imagine anywhere nicer to go in, the, in the Claremont than that. Why is it called Japanese-style ponds? Is there a specific reason for that? Well, they, they were arched bridges across the ponds and also kind of weeping trees around oh, the ponds, yes, sort of yes, that yes. kind of look. But it is also like, as I say, Monet's garden. I mean, there is a 19th century picture of Ralph Henry standing on the bridge that existed then, which was not arched, standing looking at his lily pad covered pond. And it's just like Monet on looking at his ponds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's extraordinary. Mm. Do Cape Tonians know about these gardens? Do they go there in their droves? Well, as I say, the, the you know, evicted people of, of, of Claremont most certainly do know about it. Mm. And um, they come back to visit and, and, have and, wedding and they have their taken. wedding photographs there. And we very recently we were involved in a wonderful um, historical day in, in Ardern with, with all those people who came back and on Heritage Day this year. And... Um, they walked around and had their memories and it was quite marvelous and Good we heavens. have quite big collections of photographs of them with their families and children and so on in the gardens going way back so yes they know and love it it's just a shame they no longer live around <laughs> well exactly mm. I mm. remember I lived in Harfield village mm. and discovered at one stage I did and discovered that all those houses were colored houses yes indeed. All, they were all victims yes. of the and Cavendish Square the, the, Cavendish the Square. shopping center was not I mean, they knocked down the houses to build that and so mm. on. So anyway, it is what it is now, but um, people don't forget, which is no, they don't. sort of they nice. Don't. Mm. But look, it's, I, do you know what? I haven't been there. I'm ashamed to mm. say, Claire, mm. but you've mm. made me <laughs> whip my appetite spectacularly oh, yes. now. And I remember we on our um, program in the morning used to advertise, it was the first Saturday, I think, of every month that Hank 
took a guided tour of people around the Erdern Gardens. That's right. Does that still happen? Absolutely. It wasn't just Hank. It was we have, you know, three or four people who who take people around. So every first Saturday of um, each month, 10 o'clock, there is this tour around the garden. And they're becoming very popular. I was going to say, mm. are people coming? Yes, Yes, absolutely. And you can just turn up. It costs you 50 rand. Um, and for that, you get a, a map. Um, uh, but you don't, you, you, I mean, it's better if you can book. I mean, there is a website that you can make a booking on, mm -hmm. but um, you can just arrive. Okay. And is there sort of an archive? I've seen some lovely photographs in, for example, the book that was published for Hank's memorial last week, a few weeks ago. Is there archival pictures there well we there have a website with some lovely photographs um and yes we do have some old photographs but i'm afraid photag has been too busy with actually working with the garden they haven't actually oh. done a great deal but we have ideas about sort of doing that sort of thing but i'm afraid we haven't sort of managed to get together with that you know get that sort of going yet but it's definitely on our in our plan mm -hmm. We're going to have another music break now, Claire. Another choice of Hank, who was going to be doing this program, as I said, who apparently liked Joan Sutherland. So here is Joan Sutherland um, in an aria from La Traviata by Verdi.
that's the voice of Joan Sutherland with that aria from Verdi's La Traviata. Another choice of the late Hank Lith, who had selected music for when he came to appear on People of Note to talk about the Ardern Gardens. But I have with me Claire Gibbon, who's a founding member of the Gardens. And Claire, you mentioned that Hank had actually been to Australia and possibly this was why he liked Joan Sutherland. It could well be, yes. He and, and his partner um, Rod went there in 1982. Um, I think it must have been quite a change from their previous lives because up till then he'd worked in, in um, for the Transvaal Nature Conservation. So um, that was a big change. And, and then when he came back in 1983, he worked for Santon Municipality. So it was a short interlude, but I'm quite sure it was... Um, very, very uh, exciting time for him and Rod. Mm, of course. Mm, mm. Now, when you were talking about the Japanese-style ponds just now, Claire, you mentioned wetlands. W explain the, the significance of that. Well, the lower part of the garden on the right-hand side when you go in was always um, an indigenous sort of wetland full of, of you know, kind of Santa Desha lilies and so on. But um, And then later on it became sort of ponds, but... The ponds have not worked so well lately there because of losing the water supply, basically. I mean, the oh. levels of water have been dropping. So it was becoming very, very untidy and unsightly. However, with the help of various people we and Hank, we've made it into a wetland, a proper wetland, which is dedicated to rare and indigenous bulbs and flowers um, the sort of thing that you find in the wetlands in Kenilworth Racecourse. Oh yes. So we've had real help with that to actually you know really rescue things and so it's actually rather different um, development from our usual sort of things because it's very much about indigen indigenous um, cape flora yeah. and so that is a relatively new, new aspect of the garden but it's very exciting and has changed things quite a lot in that area and it, it, it works now because it doesn't have to be full of water all the time. Okay, okay. Mm. The other thing is you, you mentioned some projects that sounded particularly interesting to me with names like the Hiroshima Garden. Yes, yes. Now what is the connection there? Well, that's a rather lovely thing which we were involved in, I think really because Adam Harrower had been asked to ra get to propagate or, or raise some seedlings from Hiroshima, um, which are part of a Japanese project which was spreading the trees that that actually had survived the nuclear oh. bomb in oh. Hiroshima. Were there trees that survived the bomb? Well, they were seeds from the trees that had survived the oh, bomb. Oh, okay, okay. So, which, I mean, is quite remarkable that these trees did survive, yes. and they include things like the ginkgo, which, I mean, we know, and we already know, but um, there's also the persimmon and also uh, Japanese holly. And um, so we had a wonderful sort of opening uh, celebration when these young saplings were planted and the people responsible, the Japanese people responsible, two women who came from, from Hiroshima and um, it was officially opened as the Hiroshima Garden and that's a, a specific part of the garden now with its own bench and there's a, there's a storyboard there explaining all about the project um, and these seeds have been sort of, you know, given to various places around the world, always in honour of peace, basically. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What mm. a brilliant idea. Yes, it is. It's for lovely. a peaceful environment like yes. the Adern Gardens. Yes. But there's another project. Yes, you there's the Gandhi, there the Gandhi project. Oh, yes. the Mahatma Gandhi. Yes, 
the Indian consulate wanted to um, honor Mahatma Gandhi's birth, I think it is, I'm afraid, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. And so they wanted a place to plant, hundred. it's 150 trees, it was his 150th anniversary, and they chose Ardern. And so um, Hank worked extremely hard to create this very special part of the garden with, he tried to make them Indian-y sort of trees, but of course it wasn't entirely impossible, you know, but it's full of lovely flowering things and um, like Indian hawthorn and um, Pride of India and such. And so it's now, we're trying to promote it as the wedding area for people to go and celebrate their weddings after they've had their photographs taken in the front of the wedding tree. <laughs> what a lovely so idea. And also there's a storyboard there explaining all about it. And indeed also, um, Fotai gave um, Hank a bench in honour of all the work he'd done for, for, um, for the gardens. And his bench is placed in that garden because mm-hmm. he worked his socks off to get that all done yeah. in time for the opening. Mm. As we said right at the beginning, Claire, um, you are very lucky as the Adern Gardens to get someone like Hank. Absolutely. Who is so passionate, A, but B, yes. had been a landscaper yes. and has done so much tree planting. I'm going to yes. look at trees differently as from today. Yes. But... Um, he died very suddenly as well. He hadn't been ill. He, no. he died very suddenly, didn't no. he? No. So at least there was no suffering or anything like that. Mm. But he was still very much involved with the Dern in his 80s. Oh, right up to the, up to the day. I mean, literally, he would, he would, and he would have been back from his holiday and involved in further work there, absolutely without doubt. He was um, very, very involved with us. I think in, in a way, it was a project that was very close to his heart. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I mean, he sought us out as well, you know. I mean, so it wasn't just we sought him, but um, mm-hmm. no, it, it, we, and indeed, it was the most happy combination. Yeah. Well, we're celebrating this people of note as a tribute to Hank Lith, who died in January and who, as you've been hearing, was so involved with the Adern Gardens and who's chosen the music. And apparently he absolutely loved Bruch, the violin concerto number one. And you let on, Claire, that you also love this. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) Here's the slow movement of Bruch's violin concerto number one.
That's the rather beautiful slow movement of the violin concerto number one by Max Bruch, loved by hundreds of thousands of people around the world, and also by Hank Lith, whose life and part of the Adern Gardens we're celebrating in this edition of People of Note. And the, the soloist there was Itzhak Perlman. We are approaching the end of the program, Claire, but I was just thinking, are the Adern Gardens seasonal or is it beautiful all year round? At every time there is something to see in the Ardernes. Um, I mean, certainly it's springtime. I mean, trees with their new leaves coming is obviously the time w when it's very special and fresh. Um, but then in, in the winter, in June, July, there is there are the camellias, which are very old, and uh, many of them you don't see anywhere else. Um, we've just come to the end of all the hydrangeas, which the Ardernes loved and cultivated, but, but um, we've got them back. They suffered badly in the, in the drought in 2018, but they're back now. Um, and then the ponds will always be beautiful. So, mm -hmm. yes, no, any time go. And uh, in the summer, it's perfectly marvelous because you can walk in these shady places. Yes, of course. So, um, no, no, definitely all year round. Do you have to pay to go in? No, it's absolutely free. And, um, yeah, and you can have a picnic there. Um, you're not allowed, to obviously, to drink alcohol, but you can have, you know, lovely parties and things with right, your family right, and right. so on. Yes, it's a very um, convivial place. What about a book? I think, wasn't Hank going to write one? He wrote a series of articles for um, a journal called Cabo, which is um, published once a year by the Historical Society of Cape Town. Um, three articles, from I think 2018, 19 and 2020. Um, but he didn't write a book as such. Mm -hmm. um, Thomas Pakenham, this very famous English um, Who has lover a whole book trees, on trees, yes. He knows about Ardern and he's included wonderful photographs and information about Ardern in, in various of his publications. Mm -hmm. um, there's a family history by Treadgold, one of the Treadgolds who was one of the family of Ardern and that's a book that was published I think in the 1950s but, mm -hmm. um, and that's really all about the family. And what about funding, Claire? Uh, how do you make money? Well, I mean, this is what Hank's wonderful skill was all about. And I don't know what we're going to do from now on. He just somehow knew the right sort of people. And um, we've been lucky enough to get funding from things like the um, Roland Alita Trust and, um, and then various individuals. Um, and yeah so so far so good and um he created this system of what we call fellows who are people who commit to giving us money over a three-year period and so on so you can plan ahead with that sort of financial mm -hmm. backing so we hope that we can continue with that and um as the garden is now so much more established perhaps people will come more of their own volition without having to be Sort of Let's hope out. that people yes. listening to us uh, yes. who might not have been there and it might even be round the corner from them go flocking to the Absolutely, no, and I, I hope that, with the, you know, that that will come. And I want to say something about Hank just very quickly, if yes, I may, please, please. which is that he was this wonderful high achiever. I mean, he did all that I, we've talked about and much, much more, but he was supremely modest and he was just um, quietly getting on with his work and extremely considerate of all the people around him. I mean, he was definitely the man who sort of worked on the notion and showed it to be true that the um, Group Areas um, Act had this devastating effect on the garden. And it's something that people didn't know about before. Mm -hmm. And I think he's, he was just a very, very lovely man and we're going to miss him.
Thank you for saying that, Claire. And in fact, this program is dedicated to the memory of Hank Lith. And may we say, rest in peace. And we're going to end with one of his, he liked Frank Sinatra, and just talking about Hank and all that. Why don't we play My Way? How about that? I think he might have liked it. <laughs> <laughs> My guest has been Claire Gibbon, a founding member of the Adern Gardens. And as we listen to Frank Sinatra, thank you very much, Claire, for coming in and sharing the program with Hank. And um, see you in the gardens. Indeed, I look forward to it. <laughs> And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again to mention I did what I had to do saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course each careful step along the byway and more much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I Had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say. Not in a shy way Oh no Oh no, not me I did it my way For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, 
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Music